Sophie's World by Josephine Gardner. The Renaissance continued. Oh, divine lineage of mortal guys! I can well understand that, because where was God in all this new stuff? It was simpler when Earth was the center, and God and the planets were upstairs. But that was not the greatest challenge. When Newton had proved that the same neutral laws applied everywhere on the universe, one might think that he thereby undermined people's faith in God's omnipotence. But Newton's own faith was never shaken. He regarded the natural laws as proof of the existence of the great and almighty God. It's possible that the man's picture of himself fared worse. Well, how do you mean? Since the Renaissance, people have got to get used to living their life on a random planet in a vast galaxy. I'm not sure how we have wholly accepted it even now. But there were those, even in the Renaissance, who said that every single one of us now had a more central position than before. I don't quite understand. Formerly, the Earth was the center of the world. But astronomers now said that there was no absolute center to the universe, and when it came to be thought that there were just as many centers as there were people, each person could be the center of the universe. Ah, I think I see. The Renaissance resulted in a new religiously, as the philosophy and science gradually broke away from theology. A new Christian piety developed. Then the Renaissance arrived with this new view of man. This had its effect on religious life. The individual's personal relationship to God was now more important than his relationship to the church as an organization. Like saying one's prayers at night, for instance. Yes, that too. In the medieval Catholic Church. The church's liturgy in Latin and the church's ritual prayers have been the backbone of the religious service. Only priests and monks read the Bible because it only existed in Latin. But during the Renaissance, the Bible was translated from Hebrew and Greek into national languages. It was central to what we call the Reformation. Martin Luther. Yes, Martin Luther was important, but he was not the only reformer. There were also exceptional reformers who chose to remain within the Roman Catholic Church. One of them was Erasmus of Rotterdam. Luther broke with the Catholic Church because he wouldn't buy indulgences, didn't he? Yes, that was one of the reasons. But there were mere, there were more important reasons. According to Luther, people did not need the intercession of the church or its priests in order to receive God's forgiveness. Neither was God's forgiveness dependent on the buying of indulgences from the church. Trading in these so-called letters of indulgence was forbidden by the Catholic Church from the middle of the 17th century. God was probably glad of that. In general, Luther distanced himself from many of the religious customs and dogmas that had been rooted, rooted in the exceptional history of during the Middle Ages. 
He wanted to turn to early Christianity as it was in the New Testament. The scripture alone, he said. With this slogan, Luther wished to return to the source of Christianity, just as the Renaissance humanists had wanted to turn to the ancient sources of art and culture. Luther translated the Bible into German, thereby founding the German written language. He believed every man should be able to read the Bible and thus, in a sense, become his own priest. His own priest? Wasn't that taking it a bit too far? What he meant was that the priests had no preferential position in the relation to God. The Lutheran congregation employed priests for practical reasons, such as conducting services and attending to the daily clerical tasks. But Luther did not believe that anyone received God's forgiveness and redemption from sin through church rituals. Man received free redemption through faith alone, he said. This was a belief he arrived at by reading the Bible. So Luther was also a typical Renaissance man? Yes and no. A characteristic Renaissance feature was his emphasis on the individual and the individual's personal relationship to God. So he taught himself Greek at the age of 35 and began the the laborious job of translating the Bible from the ancient Greek version into German. Allowing the language of the people to take precedence over Latin was also a characteristic Renaissance feature. But Luther was not a humanist like Fichicho or Leonardo da Vinci. He was also opposed by humanists such as Erasmus of Rotterdam because they thought his view of man was far too negative. Luther had proclaimed that mankind was totally depraved after the fall from grace. Only through the grace of God could mankind be justified, he believed. For the wages of sin is death. That sounds very gloomy. Alberto Knox rose. He picked up the little green and black marble and put it in his top pocket. It's after four, Sophie exclaimed in horror. And the next great epoch in history of mankind is a Baroque. But we shall have to keep that for another day, my dear Hilda. <gasps> what did you just say? Sophie shot up from her chair she had been sitting in. You called me Hilda. That was a serious slip of the tongue. But the slip of a tongue is never wholly accidental. You may be right. You only know that Hilda's father has begun to put words in our mouth. You think that he's exploiting the fact that we are getting weary and not defending ourselves very well. You once said that you were not Hilda's father. Is that really true? Alberto nodded. But am I Hilda? I'm getting tired now, my dear Sophie. You have to understand that. We have to be sitting over here for two hours, and I've been doing most of the talking. Don't you have to go home and eat? Sophie felt almost as if he was trying to throw her out. As she went into the little hall, she thought intensely about why he had made that slip. Alberto came out after her. Hermes was lying asleep under a small row of pegs on which hung several strange-looking garments that can only have been theatrical costumes. Alberto nodded towards the dog and said, He will come and fetch you. Thank you for my lesson, Sophie said. 
She gave Alberto an impulsive hug. "You're the best and kindest philosophy teacher I've ever had," she said. With that, she opened the door to the suitcase staircase. As the door closed, Alberto said, "It won't be long before we meet again, Hilda." Sophie was left with those words. Another slip of the tongue, the villain. Sophie had a strong desire to turn around and hammer on the door, but something held her back. On reaching the street, she remembered that she had no money on her. She had to weigh all, walk all the way, the long way home. How annoying! Her mother would be both angry and worried if he didn't get back by six. That was for sure. She had not gone more than six yards when she had suddenly noticed a coin on the sidewalk. It was ten crowns. Exactly the price of a bus ticket. Sophie found her way to the bus stop and waited for a bus to Main Square. From there, she could take the bus on the same ticket and ride almost to her door. Not until she was standing at the Main Square waiting for the second bus did she begin to wonder why she had been lucky enough to find the coin just when she needed it. Cause Hilda's father could have left it there. He was a master of leaving things in the most convenient places. How could he if he was in Lebanon? And why had Alberto made that slip, not once but twice? Sophie shivered. She felt a chill run down her spine.